Chris Lee and Blaine Gilmer of Southeastern 14 here to talk about the college football playoff semifinal. Rose Bowl, Michigan has beaten Alabama in overtime. What a game it was. Wasn't the prettiest game we have seen. I, I think neither team will, will put that, that one in their Hall of Fame of execution. Performance. It's not the teach tape, huh? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, look, we were talking before that we went live. Alabama's mistakes and everything. I'm like, hey, Michigan special teams. I mean, my goodness. I don't know how many teams have had more disastrous special teams days and lived to tell about it than Michigan did. But, hey, it was a thrilling game. Uh, was exciting from start to finish. And, and hats off to Michigan. We're an SEC channel, but we we recognize uh, talent when we see it. That's that's a really good Michigan team. It was the number one seed of the college football playoff for a reason. And uh, going to be very interested to see how Michigan comes out against what I think will be Texas, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, Chris should have stuck with his original pick, guys. He picked Michigan to begin with, and then he wavered yesterday during our reaction show So, uh, from that. And I think that was largely in part because of the how the SEC has just been kind of having its way with Big Ten teams, you know, against Big Ten mm -hmm. teams. And that happened today with Tennessee against Iowa once again. And, uh, you know, kind of thought this was all leading into a precursor. And then the way Michigan started off that game and then Alabama got up and I tell you, it just looked disjointed at different times for Alabama. Yeah. Like they were just doing things totally differently than what had brought them there over the last, uh, you know, six, seven games of the season, kind of how they ended their run. Definitely the things they were doing schematically against Georgia. I did not see them do as many of those things against Michigan. And maybe that has more to do with with the Michigan uh, Wolverines and what they were able to do. And they were maybe a little bit better in the interior, especially on defense than, than I anticipated. But my goodness, it didn't look comfortable at times for Alabama, Chris. Yeah, and, and I had one reservation about switching my pick. I'll give that to you in a minute. First, a reminder, this recap reaction brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs here. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get in on the action, see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet online where the game starts. All right, Blaine, if you remember, I said one thing that I don't know that we're talking about enough, Alabama's offensive line got better this season, but I said, hey, are we going to be having this discussion after the game and saying maybe we underrated Alabama's inability to to block other teams or something along those lines yeah. and, and be talking about that as a reason Alabama lost? I mean, that, that was it. I, I don't know how else you – you put it. I mean, even even the fourth and four play call at the end, Blaine. And, and you're look four yards to go to the goal. You're always going to be questioned when that doesn't go well. I get it. That's going to be one that's going to be replayed for decades. But how much of that was due to the fact that Alabama just freaking could not block anybody? I mean, se second, what was it? Second and goal from the six, and <laughs> and they get Jace McClellan blown up in the backfield loss of yeah. what was it eight yards or whatever it was 
Here, here's the thing. You have dynamic playmakers in Isaiah Bond and Amari Nyblack and, you know, Jermaine Burton. And I know Burton uh, cramped up right before that last play and th- things of that nature. But you have guys on the perimeter that they could utilize. And you've got to, in my opinion, get Milrow running east and west with some kind of option to either run it or throw it and and get him out in space he's the most dynamic player on the field and you want to run him in the middle of a phone booth right there and try to try to you know play right into michigan's strength uh, up the middle I, I did not understand that call i felt like um i felt like you know tommy reese like I said, he had been kind of in his bag, so to speak, over the last five, six, seven games of the year, and it just felt out of sync from the beginning. Now, I will say this. I do think that Michigan was very a very, very good cover team on the back end, and I think yeah. that the lack of being able to have some, some wide-open windows for Jalen Milrow maybe muddied up the picture for him a little bit, and you could see in that game, Milrow had – become this guy that had gained confidence and confidence and confidence all throughout November. And Georgia didn't take that away from him. They didn't take that confidence away because they weren't able to capitalize and, and they weren't able to stop the the, the complimentary run stuff and, and things of that nature and also gave up some busted plays. But Michigan, on a couple of those times where they stood up and made him go three and out, three and out, and then he fumbles and does things like that, you could see the confidence leave Milrow's eyes right there. And I think, uh, yeah. I think he didn't, he did not play, he did not play like Superman, uh, like we've seen him play uh, in the past. And and like I said, I think you got to give credit to Michigan on that because I think that they they showed, you know, especially up the middle. Uh, those those inside linebackers and those defensive tackles, I think, played a phenomenal game for Michigan and just totally, totally stuffed uh, what Alabama was wanting to do for the majority of the time in the run game. And and I think also you got to give credit to Michigan's offensive line because they had more push along the yeah. offensive line. Blake Corum was every time he ran the ball six, seven, eight yards. It seemed like that he was he was ripping off there for a while. So. Um, I think Michigan just won that game physically and finally got over the hump against the, against an Alabama team. Michigan's offense just came so much more easily than Alabama's did. I mean, it felt like they, they would get off a play call. They'd have time. They'd find some open field. It felt like every inch Alabama got, Alabama had to earn. And Jalen Milrow, I don't know what the final sack total was, six or seven, but it could have been, it could have been a couple sacks worse than it was. Sorry, I muted myself for sure. It could have been way worse. Uh, he he made some incredible escapes there um, when he when he was able to rip off some runs, and that's why I thought they would get more design run stuff going with him than they did. Uh, just crazy, just absolutely crazy what happened, um, you know, in that game. In terms of, I think you know you. You keep doing what's what's the saying, Chris? The doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Well, just continuing to drop Jalen Milrow back. That's what it looked like when yeah. they played Texas. Okay. They just continue to drop him back instead of moving the pocket, instead yeah. of doing some things that they did late in the year. That's a good point. I, I don't understand where they were putting their their offensive line in a bad spot at different times, uh, in those in the those one on one matchups and you know, I just I just wonder uh, if, you know, Nick Saban, no matter how long he has left to coach, whether it's one year, or, uh, whether it's five years, he doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of time left. 
So I think what, you know, the, the big question to me is, does he, is he happy with the results that Tommy Reese gave him this year? Does he stick with Tommy Reese going forward? Does Tommy Reese want to stay in Alabama going forward? You know, those are, those are questions that I think have to be answered here pretty soon. I was surprised. I mean, Tommy Reese was just kind of a pedestrian offensive coordinator. I mean, he's Nick Saban. He can get darn near anybody he wants. I, that was one that just never made a ton of sense to me from the beginning. And I think you just summed it up. I think some questions will be asked in the off season. I don't know that. I don't know that they, I don't know that they really fit each other in terms of, okay, here's what Alabama has been doing. Here's what, Tommy Reese had been doing. I didn't see that that meld together, you know, that yeah. that well in different ways. I know they wanted to bring back some some bully ball aspects of things and stuff like that, but that offensive line, even as big mm-hmm. as they are, just at different times didn't get the push that they wanted to be able to do that kind of stuff and you know, they're they're bringing in guys, they're bringing in weapons and they're going to have people come in the transfer portal and all that. They're going to they're going to reload as Alabama always does. So, you know, I, I'm not saying the sky's falling by any means, but uh, it is going to be weird that, hey, an SEC team's not going to be playing in the national championship, at least not a not a current SEC team. Uh, Texas future yeah. SEC team possibly could. Yeah, you said yesterday you, you thought you would just kind of start the future of college football discussion with let's take the top eight SEC teams and go with there. I, I didn't really agree with that. Um, I, I still think the, the Big Ten is going to have some outstanding football teams in the league. It has them now. It's going to have them going forward. I, I don't think the SEC is just going to go run and hide from the rest of college football uh, like like a lot of people in our part of the country think. I, I get, is it going to be the best league going forward? Yeah, I think it will be. Uh, are there other teams that can play football? Absolutely, they are. And we saw, saw that on display tonight. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think uh, they executed better than Alabama did. I do think Alabama should have won that football game. Uh, I, I really do. I, I think that Alabama uh, hurt itself with not playing the way that Alabama should. But I agree with you. Uh, at Michigan, there's there's what I would call outliers out there. <laughs> uh, Michigan being one of them, maybe Ohio State uh, being being another that if they put it all together, they might be good enough to – to, to win it all, but I think Michigan played about as well as it possibly could have played against an Alabama team, and it still had to go to overtime to beat them, and I, I don't think Alabama played nearly as well as Alabama could have. I mean, I think it takes everything. I think it takes everything you got to get to take down a Nick Saban team, and we saw it, you know, a couple years ago with Georgia uh, finally getting over the hump, you know, with, with the Keith Ringo interception in Indianapolis, all that kind of stuff, so We'll see. I, I just disagree. I mean, uh, Michigan made so many special teams gaffes tonight. The the extra point fiasco. The you know what what were they doing on the punt? I mean, they darn near gave the game to Alabama right then and there. I don't even know who that guy left. was. I don't know that many people. That might have been Connor Stallions over there. <laughs> How many punt returners did they go through tonight? I mean, it was it was a few. Uh, so I, look, I mean, Alabama made plenty of mistakes. I, I just didn't think it was Michigan's cleanest game. I think, I think honestly, the best team won this football game. You're probably going to disagree with me on that, but that's fine. And I'll tell you another thing. Um, I, I meant to mention this off the top. JJ McCarthy. I don't know who got named MVP this game, but I, I thought it was him. I thought he was terrific. 
Yeah, no, he was he was very good. He made he made a lot of plays, showed his athleticism. Um, I do think that the Michigan offensive and defensive line played fundamentally better than Alabama's did, and I think that was the difference. I think they they were better fundamentally, um, yeah. and I think that they they you know sustained blocks longer and were able to Proctor. Proctor and Latham just at times just got absolutely blown by and didn't yeah. get touched, uh, didn't touch a defensive defensive lineman or a defensive end or an outside linebacker or a corner or whoever they brought off the edge. It was just, my goodness, I thought uh, that Alabama was woefully underprepared in terms of the, the scheme and the matchup and things like that in terms of how they do their protections. I would have thought they, you know, the thing that we always see out of Nick Saban is second half adjustments. He always... Like I tweet, I tweeted out at halftime. I was like, Michigan fans, uh, Alabama's got you right where they want you. Trust me, because I've been yeah. there too too many times and seen it. And they didn't make they didn't make as many of the the adjustments. I thought they would have gone more max protection. Uh, you know, utilized uh, some some deeper play action shots with with six seven man protection stuff like that, and and then also get the pocket moving. Some more like rollout type stuff. Uh, quarterback design run type stuff and we just didn't see it the entire game so i was a little disappointed in tommy reese's adjustments there you know it's you look back alabama's i think the story of alabama's season was its offensive line just wasn't good enough that had to be nick saban's worst offensive line since his first season i don't remember what he had in year one but i, I don't think he's had a worse one i mean alabama has probably put more offensive linemen in the league you know, and certainly in the first round than anybody in college football since Nick Saban's been there. But you, it is very hard to be an elite college football team when you've got a very underperforming offensive line. And I think that's what happened. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I, we, I put out a video uh, early on in the, in before the season, Chris, and it said, it said, the biggest problem for Alabama. And I said, it's not quarterback. It's not Jalen Milrow. It's the offensive line. And they ended up yeah. being one of the worst in the league when it comes to sacks and things like that. They played better down the stretch in the month of November, but it reared its ugly head again against guys who could rush the passer uh, in Michigan here. And they just couldn't, they, they couldn't, they couldn't stay ahead of the sticks and hurt themselves. And the other thing is, how are you, Alabama, the Alabama Crimson Tide, a Nick Saban coach team, and you are continually in game 14 having bad snaps. I mean, yeah. it is over and over. And put somebody else in at center. I mean, if that's the issue, like what is this, is the depth that bad where you can't rotate somebody? I don't know. I think I mean, the that, portal is really – well, I mean, first of all, the portal has really hit the depth of the elite teams. I'm sure that probably factored in somewhere. Um, you see it with, with just about every every one of the best teams. That I, I think one of the things that's been the cause of parity in college football this year has been the erosion of depth. Guys that are second team out in Alabama or Georgia or in Ohio State can go be a first-team guy somewhere else. And I'm I'm guessing at some point down the line, Alabama got hit by that. Yeah, maybe so. I can't believe they didn't have another center that that was because it, it should have killed them against Auburn, and it did kill them. Yeah, uh, tonight, in my opinion, against against Michigan, just totally took the win out of their sails in a couple of times. 
um, some of those bad snaps. And even the last plays, uh, uh, I think it was that second down play that you mentioned that McClellan got blown up on. I mean, the snap was over here, and he had to yeah. make an acrobatic play just to catch it and get the handoff off. So, so that's uh, I guess that's about all I got to say against about uh, Alabama. Uh, no, no SEC team in the national championship. But what do you think about? What did you think about the debut of Nico? I am a labia tonight against Iowa, Chris. First of all, I'm glad you said it, not me. Um, second of all, I thought he was pretty good. The, the box score line isn't stand out but it was kind of the thing of he made plays when he needed to there weren't I don't remember many mistakes do you I mean that was a stout Iowa front I mean I, I, Iowa got to him at times that what was it the the Clark kid or whatever his name was had like four sacks but uh Dylan Sampson was very good and look it's it's, it's easier when you don't have to make but one or two plays Iowa's offense was just that abysmal they should have Probably put the other quarterback in earlier, but they didn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought he was pretty solid in his first game. I, th I think, um, and he's just so freaking tall. Yeah, he, and, and he's so athletic. Lanky. I mean, he's a, he's he's a freak. Yeah, the way he moved, I think that was the the I think that was the most impressive to me was just how natural he looked moving and, and being able to create in space and stuff like that. The you know not overwhelming numbers, twelve of nineteen, one fifty one, uh, a touchdown. But the main thing is that I don't think he ever he ever he never put his team in harm's way. I think he yeah. he he you know handled things efficiently uh and he was able to go out and just play solid clean football and and listen three rushing touchdowns on the day so you know i mean i think he he did his did his part there for sure of uh, being able to show hey i'm an i'm an athlete you got to account for me in the run game and that's only going to help josh heupel going forward so i thought that uh nico's debut there especially with not maybe having a full complement of everything on offense and defense around him at like they like he will next year um i think that gives you a lot of confidence going into that you know week two matchup against nc state in charlotte a neutral site game and then on week four you know he gets his first road game uh, at norman oklahoma an acc game wow. against against the sooners so i think this is going to be a lot of uh good of good experience for him to draw upon as he gets into the early part of next year but hey uh the 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 nico era has begun and i think he's shown that he's going to be he's going to be special um for tennessee going forward you know his passing numbers weren't great 12 and 19 for a buck 51 uh one touchdown no pick 7.9 per throw but his receivers didn't help him much uh, Ramel yeah. Keaton had a drop or two, just quit on a ball that should have been a touchdown. I mean, that had a chance to be a box score line that, that I think kind of would have had people buzzing. Like if people were watching the game, I think they were pretty excited about it. But I think there was a little bit left on the table, thanks to his teammates, um, that, that could have made for a better day for him statistically. Yeah, and that's been the story for Tennessee all year. Uh, the yeah. receivers, even with Joe Milton in there, when Joe Milton did throw an accurate ball, a lot of times it was dropped, and uh, that that's kind of been the story. They they have not been on the same page, whether it's receivers, uh, quarterbacks, different different times have been off at different times. So uh, I think that's something that definitely – you know, Josh Heupel is going to be working to to correct. He's bringing in a talented freshman in Mike Matthews, a five star that I think can make some some uh, make a an impact right away. They're they're of course 
working the, the transfer portal. Evan Stewart is a guy they're going after who's from mm-hmm. Texas A&M. He, Tennessee has been rumored to be a potential landing spot for for him. So I'm sure they're going to look to revamp there at the wide receiver position uh, and, you know, continue to move forward in that offense. Um, and speaking of, speaking of offense, Chris, there was plenty – Plenty of offense in that LSU-Wisconsin game, which is kind of surprising out of a Wisconsin team until you remember that they're playing LSU's defense. Well, before before we go there, and I know we can make all kinds of punt jokes, and it was Iowa, I get it. They're they're awful. But Tennessee, we did say, hey, the fact that Tennessee lost a lot of its secondary and a couple of key defensive linemen to the portal – Will that even it out just enough to get Iowa a little bit of a puncher's chance in this one that normally wouldn't have it didn't? Um, probably the biggest play of the game was on the opening drive, Alabama or Alabama. Iowa got inside the five, threw a pick. Don't remember who had it for Tennessee. And then James Pierce Jr. had that huge pick where he dropped back into coverage, got a hand on the ball, and, and ran it back the whole way. Um, Gabe Judy Lolly played pretty well for them. I, I thought that Tennessee and, and, and the linebacker, uh, the kid from – my neck of the woods, whose name escapes me, the sophomore, thought played pretty well off the edge for them too. Um, shout out to Tennessee's defense. I mean, yeah, I was awful offensively, but a shutout against anybody in the time anywhere is, is a good effort. And they averaged under three yards a snap, Blaine. Yeah, uh, I do think, though, wasn't it Iowa and Iowa State that had the gambling problems on their team? During the season, I thought it was more Iowa State than Iowa. Well, listen, I, I'm convinced. Is, that there, they need is to there a invest- joke in there? They need to investigate <laughs> Deacon Hill. I think he was point shaving for, for Iowa. I mean, rough. I mean, just very yeah. bad. Very, very bad. Uh, so, like, there was no internal clock. You just held the ball forever and thought, okay, I'm going to – and then, you know, Tennessee just got after him. So, they're, they're, they're horrific offensively, yes. But, like you said, you saw effort. You saw execution out of uh, Tennessee's defense, and I think that's all you can ask in these bowl games now, uh, depending on you know who's playing, who's not, who you're playing against, all this kind of stuff. So, thought that was interesting. But like I said, no lack of points over there in the uh, ReliaQuest Bowl between LSU and Wisconsin, though. Hey, how about Garrett Nussmeyer? How about both quarterbacks, for that matter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mordecai was a guy that a lot of people were really high on, you know, transferring from SMU. He had big numbers at SMU to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily go the way that he thought it would go up there um, with, with Wisconsin this year. But man, they came out and they looked like they were going to just lay it on LSU and LSU shows some uh, resiliency and, and is able to fight back and, and, and win a game. And that, like I said, other than uh, Alabama, uh, going down today in the in the big one, the, the SEC is at a pretty good little run here in, in bowl season in terms of the the win loss record. Well, and let's not forget LSU playing without an offensive coordinator. Now I have other good offensive minds on that staff, but this kind of sums it up for LSU. Jaden Daniels doesn't play, sits out the bowl game as everybody knew would happen. Malik Neighbors is is their fifth leading receiver today. So with their backup quarterback and Neighbors having a, a quote unquote off day. He still throws for 395. Yeah. No, I mean, he. I'm impressed by Garrett Nussmeyer. I don't know if you remember. Uh, oh, you've, you've, lo- you've loved him for at least a year. You, you, called that, um, you called that a long time ago. I give you your props on that. 
Well, you you remembered just in the SEC championship game uh, against Georgia, and that was a really good Georgia defense. And I was like, this guy looks like Dan Marino out there. Like that that's what he reminded me of. He's got a cannon for an arm. I mean, a massive arm, and it's different than a Joe Milton type thing where Joe Milton had all fastball, no changeup. Garrett Nussmeyer can nuance the ball a little bit. He can, and he also just can absolutely rip it. And I think he's going to have a monster year for LSU next year as they continue to to bring in weapons in the portal and, and through high school ranks and stuff like that. Offense will not be an issue for the LSU Tigers. No. Um, have they made an OC yet officially? I don't know. Maybe Tommy Reese goes over there. <laughs> um, I, I'm thinking it's their. It's probably going to be their quarterback coach. I would. I would think. I don't know. The only reason I say that is Tommy Reese was Brian Kelly's offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, and he may be looking for employment after tonight. Who knows? Yeah, jo- Joe Sloan is who I'm thinking about. Joe Sloan. Um, Vanderbilt went hard after Joe Sloan for its OC vacancy. And Lucky so here. Look at here. Look what Andy Stowe says. Hey. Washington. <laughs> Washington's my my nine year old son's adopted favorite team. So Purple Rain. Yeah, he loves he loves him some Michael Penix. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But this is why this is why one we uh, even though we have a um, we have a partnership with Bet Online, we we tell you to be responsible because anything can happen with college football. <laughs> You don't know what's going to happen to see the Alabama-Michigan game, even though I think all of us uh, before kickoff were thinking Alabama was going to take care of business there, and then who knows what happens in this one. That's why we love college football, Chris, and that's why I think even though ultimately it will end up, like I said, producing a more true champion with the 12-team playoff uh, because I think you'll you you know you'll have to have more really good performances and, and just a better team will end up coming out on top more times often than not. But uh, man, it's gonna. There are there not going to be some some crazy upsets and things like that in those first round games at home stadiums and things of that nature. I think with the parity we're seeing, probably. I mean, I think you could play this fourteen playoff several times and have have different winners. I mean, I, I think you play Alabama, Michigan again. Maybe that one comes out differently. Um, we we picked opposite sides of things for the for the nightcap, so. I think parity, the era of parity is here. Um, as much as I hate the way the game has come together and, and the lack of restrictions and things, it has made for a more competitive product than we've seen in our lifetime. Um, and if they can continue to build on that aspect of it and get some stuff like NL money can be used to, to get kids to play these bowl games. I mean, th- that's just inevitable. I, I think we are potentially looking – with some leadership, and that's that's a big if at a golden age of college football in front of us. Well, Chris, it looks like we're uh, now Texas just scored, so it looks like we're missing a barn burner. Like I said, it's going to be high yeah. scoring, I think, in this game. So, uh, parting thoughts here before we go watch this game. It's going to be it's going to be fun to go uh, go take this one in and see who Michigan's going to face. Um. I guess parting parting thought is where does Alabama go from here? And you sort of hit on that earlier. What do they, what does Alabama do at OC? Um, yeah, you know, I think after the Texas loss, a lot of people thought Alabama was dead and buried. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought before the season Alabama couldn't get to the playoff. It did. Um, anytime you don't win a national title in Alabama, I guess it's a disappointment by 
definition almost. But wh- where do they go from here? Uh, do they do they find? I mean, I think in a twelve team playoff, they're going to find their way back. But do they get? You know, is one of the last ones standing again? And what do they do to fix that O line and and uh, the offense in the off season? I'm interested to see. With, and here here's a, a question for you that that you with all the quarterbacks that we know that are coming back and now seeing Nico uh, Iamalavia, what he did for Tennessee today, Mm. where do you feel Jalen Milrow ranks going into the 2024 season? Man, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I'd put him ahead of Jackson Dart. Would you? Let's let's do this experiment. Name the name name guys that you would take over Jalen Milrow right now. I think I'd take Carson back. Um, would you take Brady Cook? I forgot Brady Cook was back. Um. No, I don't think I would. Would you would um, you take Jackson Dart? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would too. And and the thing um, is, the, Garrett, Garrett Nussmeyer is a good one. It might be too soon, too early, but darn good quarterback. Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be. I think I think Milrow. I would put him at three right now maybe three maybe four but i think i think uh i think beck and dart are going to be special next year um and i, I really think having what they're going to have around them is going to be interesting and i think the sec is just going to be absolute and then quinn ewers is coming back as well so yeah it's going to be huge yours yours is probably your first team all-league quarterback going into the year i guess him or beck yeah, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. A lot, lot to talk about in the offseason, Chris. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a shocking night to me because I thought Alabama would take care of business. But uh, now we get to go see who wins this next one between Texas and Washington. Yeah, last thing, that, that, that the Milro question is such a good one because I would have liked to have seen what he would have done with a normal Alabama offensive line. Yeah, and we just no, I agree. we never saw it, and I don't know. I don't know that you're going to see it. I don't know. I mean, how much do these guys develop? You know, who? Did, I don't think portal is your answer. It's going to be done from within. So, you know, what happens there? And and I, I do want to see what happens at offensive coordinator and things like that for Alabama. Do they stay put? What what's what's the diff? What's going to be the the way forward? Yeah, here's the last one. How many years do we think Nick Saban has left? I mean, his contract goes through 2028, so that's four. Yeah, he'll play out the contract, I think. Yeah. Uh, what? How about this? Uh, I think Saban and Kirby's contracts, current contracts, end at the same time. They go, they play each other two more times in the national championship over the next four years, and then they both retire. Yeah. But you think Kirby Smart will retire that young? I think he's done by 55. Wow. Yeah, he's just, he's, just he's, it's uh, burned so bright that he's told a lot of people around him personally, uh, people that I know that know him personally, that 
he has no interest in doing this another 10 years. Like he wants to, he wants to just keep going, keep grinding the way that he's grinding. And, and then, you know, uh, I think by the time he's 55 years old, he'll be, he'll be done. He's 47 now and that, that'd be another seven years or so. So I think he finishes out his contract and I think he's done. Now I have a question for you. If the game is what it was 10 years ago and he's 47 and, and won two natties and, and did what he did this year, is he saying the same thing or is that just a product of the chaos? I think, that, I think that, I think that they, in the only thing that's going to extend some of these coaches careers, these young guys that are having is if they change the calendar and they change it to be more yeah. of an NFL type deal where they have more time in their family and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and are able to catch their breath because right now you're having to juggle bowl prep, free agency, yeah. high school recruiting, uh, NIL with with boosters, all this kind of stuff nonstop. It never stops, and you're having to just keep going and keep going and keep going, and it's just done. So, You know, if anybody else was in charge other than the NCAA, I would say this gets resolved just because you don't want to see losing talent like like in basketball, you saw it with Jay Wright. Jay Wright at Villanova, you know, top five coach in college basketball when he left, was still having success. He just said, I'm I'm done. I'm sick of it. Um, and you're gonna start losing football coaches. I, I think it'd be a shame if we lost a Kirby Smart uh to retirement that young. You know, now, now look, um counterpoint is maybe he'll quit and figure out a way to lead the charge to 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 get us to reform, but you would hate to see it take a, an elite coach like that before his time, you know, and that being what it took to get fixed, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see. A lot to talk about during the offseason. Yeah, well, uh, thank you to our audience for for watching. Happy New Year. We've got, um, we've got basketball power rankings coming up tomorrow morning on Tuesday. Somebody said 50 so. days from college baseball, Chris. Hey, I, I like the sound of that. So it'll be all good, all good. Yeah. But wrap us up here, man. I'm ready to ready to go watch this game. Yeah, congratulations to LSU, to Tennessee, and to Michigan. Um, great game tonight. We're sorry I didn't break the SEC's way, but that's the way these things go. Um, God bless you all. Have a very happy new year. We'll see you again soon at Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.